The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Did you know that relaxation is all in your mind? That's right. By applying various techniques of mindfulness, you can practice relaxation anywhere and anytime, whether it's at home, work, or at play. Welcome to Come Back to Your Senses Radio with host Leah Brenda Smith. Our program is all about recovering your common sense. Now, here's health and wellness specialist Leah Brenda Smith. Hello and welcome. I am your host, Leah Brenda Smith. And this is the Come Back to Your Senses a radio show. Today we're going to talk about Reiki, one of my favorite subjects. And actually, I got involved with Reiki about 30 years ago when I was in my early 20s. And it is a, um, it is a spiritual practice and it is also a natural healing art and something that has been my regular daily practice for the 30 years since I was first introduced to Reiki. And it is um, my pleasure to speak about it today. So I'm going to start with uh, speaking about Dr. Makayo Usui for a few minutes. And he is the founder of what we refer to as the Usui system of natural healing. And it's also referred to as Usui Shiki Roho in Japan or in Japanese, which means the Usui method of natural healing. Generally, people just call it Reiki. Now, Dr. Usui was a Buddhist, and he followed that Buddhist path, the Eightfold Path of Enlightenment. He had a dojo, a classroom in Japan, where he instructed his students in this inner path. And the Buddhist path is a life of total devotion to the path of enlightenment. So as a student moves through the individual levels on the path, their life becomes more finely tuned to spiritual practices and techniques. So there are techniques such as focusing, there's meditation techniques, different types of breathing techniques, movement or mudras, hand motions and chanting. And these were the things that Dr. Yusui was involved in and involved with this eightfold path of enlightenment, the Buddhist path. And aside from that, Dr. Yusui developed the Yusui system of natural healing. And he did this as a way of offering the opportunity for healing that could be practiced by anybody, by everybody of any faith, unlike the Buddhist path. And he referred to this Yusui Shiki Roho or the Yusui method of healing, he referred to it as an outer teaching because certainly compared to the inner path of the Buddhist vows and becoming a bodhisattva, it really was a outer teaching. And the, the path of the bodhisattva is a path of enlightenment and it's 
people that choose that path of the bodhisattva, out of compassion, they forgo that experience of nirvana in order to help others become enlightened. And, and I've heard it said that, that, that many spiritual masters have said that, that uh, there's no enlightenment until everyone is enlightened. And that is that idea of the bodhisattva. So Dr. Yusui had this inner path, the Buddhist path that he was following, and then created this outer teaching, if you like, that um, we refer to as Reiki. And the Yusui method of Reiki, this outer teaching, was taught initially by Dr. Yusui as one level. And then some of his students would go on and enter into the Buddhist path with him, and some of them would not. And one of his students who took this outer level with him, his name was Dr. Hayashi. And Dr. Hayashi is the second person in the lineage of the Reiki that we have really in the West. Most everyone that practices Reiki in the West has Reiki through this line from Dr. Yusui and then Dr. Hayashi until much later years, later in the 90s, we see uh, people coming from Japan, from that Eastern teaching and bringing it here to the West. So we have Dr. Hayashi, and he separated the teaching into the different levels. First degree was more focused for personal healing and gave Reiki as the foundation for the daily practice. And then second degree was more the practitioner's level. And third degree was for those who wanted to go on and teach Reiki to others. So as we move and I update you on our lineage here, we have Hawaii Takata. Dr. Hayashi taught Reiki to Hawaii Takata. And then in the late 70s, Takata brought Reiki to North America. Initially, she taught Reiki in Hawaii. She was named after the Hawaiian Islands, Hawaii, 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 Hawaii. And from there, we see Reiki branching into the eastern states through one of the people she trained, Barbara Weber Ray, and then on the west coast of Canada through Takata, who Takata taught her granddaughter, Phyllis Lee Furamoto, and Phyllis brought Reiki more into western Canada. And then we see Reiki just growing and spreading from there. And over 30 years, we see that Reiki really, even in the time that I've been involved with Reiki and the 30-some-plus years since Takata brought it to North America, we really see Reiki's become maybe not a household name, but certainly uh, people are very familiar with this healing art. So I began Reiki, as I said, in 1982, and I was initiated by Phyllis Lee Furumoto, by Takata's granddaughter, into first-degree Reiki. I had my own private uh, class with uh, Phyllis, and it wasn't long after her uh, grandmother, Hawaii Takata, had passed. In April of that same year, the Reiki masters that Takata had trained gathered in Hawaii for a memorial service. And during that time, Phyllis initiated Carol Farmer, who later became my Reiki master, she initiated Carol into Reiki. And at that time was also the creation and formation of the Reiki Alliance. 
So in the spring of that year, I started assisting Carol as she started her journey as a Reiki master. And how wonderful was that for me to have an experience of apprenticing really with somebody and seeing the journey right from the beginning. I felt very blessed to have that opportunity. Then in July of that year, I was initiated into second degree Reiki with Carol. And then in 1985, after three years of apprenticing, I was initiated as a Reiki master by Carol Farmer. And then as I matured as a teacher, I branched out on my own and started teaching on my own and then later started training teachers. And the divine lineage of Reiki, which is the development of Reiki through me, through my personal daily practice and what I've learned from the individuals that I've had the privilege of teaching and treating, I'm going to focus more on that today and really let you know how that comes together. And I want to start with a quote from a student that I taught in the early 90s, I guess it would have been. And he said this. His name is uh, Mark Lavoie, and he's a, he was a first-degree Reiki student. And he said, it cannot be said that we who practice Reiki heal but rather that we who honor the practice of Reiki are blessed with healing. And then he went on to say that Reiki, the touch of grace, can be described as blissful. And in that way, it truly is a divine gift. I just loved that, what Mark wrote. And the idea of that it's not that we who practice Reiki heal, but rather we who honor the practice of Reiki are blessed with healing. And uh, many times when people go and learn a Reiki program and are taught Reiki, the focus is a lot on the practice in terms of being a practitioner and practicing Reiki on other people. And in that way, Reiki really is a multifaceted uh, healing art because it has a daily spiritual practice and it has the experience also of being a practitioner. So in the daily spiritual practice of Reiki, it has three main areas of focus. We have our relationship with the universal life force energy, spiritual precepts that assist us with mental discipline, and then the practice of focusing the energy through your hands for hands-on care. And as well, Reiki is an energy-based healing modality that's a recognized form of preventative health care, and it's a viable form of treatment for disease and for illness and for injury. I want to share with you a quote here, actually, from uh, Dr. Makayo Usui from 1919. It's a lecture that he had given to some of his students. And in this, he says, Reiki summons the power to bestow the simple pacification called the soothing hand. It helps to pacify, to heal, and soothe. It does not address the activity of healing in a direct manner. It addresses it more indirectly by increasing the body energy and by relaxing the nervous tension in the body and by pacifying the upsets and the imbalances. 
Again, that's a quote from Dr. Makai Usui in 1919. And so we see here in what he's talking about is that it is that same experience that, in fact, we've been speaking about many times on the Come Back to Your Senses radio show about deep relaxation, triggering the parasympathetic nervous system, which is the body's innate ability to heal itself. So in that way, as Dr. Yusui is saying, it doesn't address the activity of healing directly, but more indirectly by relaxing the body, increasing the energy flow in the body, relaxing the nervous system, and then bringing in balances back to a state of peace and harmony. So I'm going to just go through here and talk to you about the different programs that are offered. And I'm going to start with the Divine Lineage of Reiki with First Degree Reiki. And typically I teach the program over uh, two days, a two-day workshop. And I really create a foundation for Reiki as a daily practice of self-care. There's the opportunity to discover the relationship with the healing energy And we explore the precepts, the spiritual precepts that help with mental discipline. We practice the hands-on care, the positions for the full body treatment, and learn how to treat acute situations, chronic conditions in yourself and in others. And then also discover how you can use Reiki in first aid situations or just other things just in your daily life things that come up where you can use this energy. And in the first degree Reiki, there are four initiations. An initiation is really a healing from the teacher to the student. It is a ceremony, and in ways it could be seen as Reiki in its most formal setting. If you like really what it is, is the opportunity to Do a cleansing, if you like, and to stimulate or activate the energy centers in the body, the main chakras throughout the body, the smaller chakras in the palms of the hands and in the fingertips, and to really stimulate, cleanse, and create this line of light through yourself from the universal energy to the individual energy. Create those connecting points. I'd like to read you now a quote from Dr. Hayashi. And he says that patients are satisfied because this is a drugless, non-invasive treatment. The results don't show as quickly as with drugs, but on the fourth day, they begin to see a difference. They begin to feel better and are vitalized. You see, we find the cause, and when the cause is removed, then there shall be no effect. No illness, just good health, happiness, and with the ability to take care of security, and prepare for a long life. That's Reiki. And that's a quote from Chijiro Hayashi 
I'm not sure actually um, what uh, what the time frame is on that one. But in what he's speaking about, it's good to mention that in earlier times, when Dr. Hayashi did put his clinic together, he tended to suggest to people if they were coming for treatment because of a disease or illness, he came and he suggested to them that they would come over a period of four days. And I've heard mention that he had many practitioners in the clinic treating at the same time, and he would have people receive treatment over a four-day period. So he's speaking in that quote about seeing the results over the four-day period. And the idea of Reiki being able to release the cause of the illness. Generally speaking, in um, if you like more modern times and even through my own experience of being a practitioner, I found that there were times when people would come and come over a period of four days, but generally speaking, the people would come once a week for a treatment and do an hour, an hour and a half treatment once a week. But certainly when you are dealing with chronic illness and disease in the body, it takes treatment over a longer period of time. The body will be very depleted from dealing with whatever the situation is. And often the first treatments are really just to build up the energy in the body and revitalize the body, the organs, the systems in the body. So when we speak about Reiki as a daily practice, many times people refer to Reiki as a Japanese technique of laying on of hands. And certainly that is one way that you can focus the energy is through the hands for hands-on care and to be involved with Reiki as a practitioner and do Reiki treatments. So that would also be Reiki in a formal setting. The initiations would be one example of Reiki in a formal setting, and then the full body treatments is another example of Reiki in a in its most formal setting. But if we speak of Reiki as a daily spiritual practice for yourself, we have the first aspect, which is about the relationship. The Rei is the universal aspect, and the key is the individual aspect. And really in the relationship, what we have is that opportunity to be focused or to be open in your key, in your individual aspect, so that that energy of the ray, the universal aspect, can flow through you. And in an earlier episode, we did speak about relating to life force energy and went into quite a bit of detail about the idea of spirit into form, the human being, and being open in yourself so that that energy can flow through you because the energy is there all the time and very happy to uh, relate with you and to combine with you and to create with you and have you be able to focus this energy for whatever task it is that you're involved in. This is really you can think of that energy of the ray as like the divine intervention that will come and support whatever it is that you're involved with. And it really is just a natural 
experience just as natural as breathing. And the opportunity also with combining with the relationship with the ray and the key is that opportunity really to let go of our smaller thinking, to let go of our ideas of lack or ideas of unworthiness or not being able to and the really struggling and suffering that we tend to do sometimes based on the things that we're thinking in our mind. And built into the practice, we have five spiritual precepts that are really there to help us bring our focus back to the truth of who we are in terms of that connection with this divine energy. And the spiritual precepts, the first one is just for today, I let go of worry. And the idea of that is really to understand that we are going to worry sometimes it happens. We worry about all kinds of things. And if we have a precept that says, just for today, I will let go of worry, the idea is there that just for today, when I notice that what I'm doing is worrying, that I'm willing to let go of it willing to surrender that smaller perception to the larger whole, to the idea of bringing it back to the relationship, to the opportunity for that divine intervention, if you like. Often thought of it this way is like seeing the Reiki energy like a divine cleanser, if you like. You know, when we're born, you know, babies feel so wonderful and uh, we're born and uh, everything is uh, fresh and new and clean. And as we have our life experiences, sometimes think of that as if it's kind of like we get smudges on our cells. And then as we embrace the relationship with Reiki and open to let this divine intervention come into us, it's as if what the energy is doing is cleaning the smudges off of the cells. So we have the experience then, we have a precept to help us, to guide us to just for today, when I notice that I'm worrying, that I'm willing to let go of the worry and surrender that back, if you like, to let go of it and bring my focus back to the natural alignment of spirit into form of that energy coming and supporting me with whatever it is that I might be worrying about to begin with. And the next precept is, just for today, I let go of anger. So when I notice that what I'm doing is being angry, that I'm willing to accept that feeling and willing to let go of it. Willing to bring my alignment back to my natural state. And sometimes, certainly, through that experience of being aware of our anger, there may be some type of action that we want to take on our behalf to bring whatever that situation is back into balance. You know, I, I had an interesting uh, 
I can't, I can't, I think it was, uh, during, uh, during the winter when I went to visit my son in Vancouver and, oh, I guess it was an experience of someone getting mad in the, in the traffic or something because someone cut someone off in the traffic. And it made me think of, you know, just because we have a right to be angry doesn't mean that it's right to be angry. And, you know, I thought of that and thought of, you know, there are things that happen in our lives where we get annoyed or we feel angry about things or we feel frustrated or we feel indignant. And we could certainly sit down and argue for our limitation, if you like, or argue for our right to be f- having a ill feeling or feeling ill at ease. But really, when it gets right down to it, why would we want to invest our energy in feeling ill at ease? So the precepts in Reiki for myself have really helped me to understand that, yes, things come up in life, and yes, we have these experiences of frustration or sadness or whatever it is that kind of gets your goat. We're all a little different that way. Some people, guilt is a big issue. For some people, it's not an issue. For some people, jealousy is an issue. For some, it's not. But you know what your things are that kind of get your goat or set you off, so to speak. And really understanding through working with the precepts that we have this opportunity to surrender that smaller, if you like, identity or ego idea and come back to the truth of who we are as a human being and embrace the being aspect of ourselves and help us to learn from these, if you like, little annoyances and things that come up to help us come back to our natural state of of relaxation and knowing that we're connected with all things. So the third precept in Reiki is about honoring your parents, your teachers, and your elders. And I like to think of this also as about honoring yourself and how important it is to honor ourselves. Many of us have that kind of experience where we honor other people at the exclusion of honoring ourselves. And everyone knows where you are with that. You know, some of us, that is a big thing, and it's beautiful to have a precept that reminds us that we should honor ourselves. For some of us, it is a beautiful thing to have a precept to help us to remember to honor our elders or honor our teachers, honor our parents. And through my own experience, I realized that honoring my parents didn't mean that I always agreed with them necessarily, but that we can honor who they are and how they are and how they got to be the way they are. And really, this precept gives us that experience of really understanding the energy of honor and honoring each other, honoring that whoever's in front of you is your teacher, not just if you go to take a program per se and someone is in a teaching role, your children are your teachers, the people you meet on the street are your teachers. And you see any time when you have those kinds of thoughts inside of yourself that when we have that tendency to want to judge someone or judge something or judge ourselves, there's a good opportunity to 
practice that precept of honoring things in ourselves and watching the judgment and letting it go, surrendering your smaller perception into the larger whole, back to your natural alignment with the energy and with the relationship. And the next precept in Reiki is about earning your living honestly. I earn my living honestly. And with this precept, I've really understood that it's really about living in an honest way. So living honestly in your thought, in your speech, in your action. Not just the way that you earn your money, but the way that you live your life, to live honestly. And in that way, to be a great example also to others of what it's like to live a life of integrity and to live honestly in your thought, in your action, in your speech. Then the fifth precept in Reiki is about showing gratitude to every living thing. And certainly, I've always noticed that gratitude brings a joyous attitude. Where there's gratitude, there's great joy. And I heard uh, somewhere, I don't know where, someone said that the um, that the angels like it best when you thank them for what you've received before asking them for what you want. Like that idea of expressing your gratitude for things. And I have certainly uh, noticed and always notice the difference that that makes in our interpersonal relationships with everybody. With your children, with your family, with your friends, with the people you do business with. The idea of gratitude, being grateful, being thankful, giving thanks for what you have, giving thanks for the abundance in the world giving thanks for your knowledge that you have and the wisdom and the opportunity to participate in things. So I've just really skimmed the surface with each one of these precepts. I'll just repeat them again just for today. I let go of worry. Just for today, I let go of anger. I honor my parents, teachers, and elders and myself. I earn my living honestly, and I show gratitude to every living thing. So we're talking about first-degree Reiki, and we're talking about Reiki as a daily practice. We spoke a little bit about the relationship. didn't go into a lot of detail about that because, as I mentioned in a previous episode on relating to life force energy, I really talked quite a bit about the experience of combining with that relationship with life force energy, with universal energy, with divine love, different people at different times in different moods through different practices or disciplines may use different words to refer to the same thing. And I know each one of you have your own way that you think of that or combine with that, and some of us don't even have a word for it. It's just an experience, a certain vibration. 
So the daily practice of Reiki has these three parts. We have the relationship, the precepts, and then the hands-on care for yourself. And the process of daily self-care is very simple, and it's so enjoyable. I always do my practice when I'm lying in bed. And when I'm in a class and teaching, I give guidelines to just to help you get started in case you don't know where to put your hands. Just three areas. One would be just over your eyes if you just, as we've mentioned in other classes on other shows on hands-on care, just bring your fingers together with your flat palm and just cup over your eyes. It's so wonderful when you do that position. It just sort of shuts everything out and starts to put you into a deep state of relaxation. So a position over your eyes and then another one at the back of the head. And then somewhere on the front of your body, on your torso, wherever it is that you would feel drawn to do it. You may do it in a different place each time you do your practice. And it's suggested that you do your Reiki twice a day, but I always tell the students better you should do your hands-on care once a day than not do it at all. It's so wonderful. It's a great form of meditation. And it's easy to slip into that uh, soothing and peaceful and warm feeling. It naturally moves you into a state of deep relaxation and into that vast inner world of your own being. And the benefits for your health, as we've mentioned before, triggers the parasympathetic nervous system which activates the body's built-in innate healing system. So first-degree Reiki is that. Focus the relationship, the precepts, and the hands-on care. And in second-degree Reiki, the practice is revealed through healing symbols. Again, I teach this in a two-day workshop, and we deepen the practice from first-degree Reiki. And we have ample time then to practice the three healing symbols on yourself and on your classmates and explore the ways that you can use the symbols for yourself. Many times I have found um, people talking about the Reiki symbols in second degree and the focus is all on how they can send Reiki to other people with it or use the healing symbols as a Reiki practitioner. And sometimes I find that people have had that experience of the of the symbols and how you can use them for yourself going more into the background. So we want to bring them back into the foreground. So again, we have the three healing symbols that are taught in second-degree Reiki, and there's one initiation that is done in the second-degree Reiki class. And here's just a little quote from Hawaii Takata. She says, when we enter into the Reiki practice, the body will respond, and whatever we wish to attain will be within our reach. When we enter into the Reiki practice. You know, Takata started her journey with Reiki in Japan, and she went over a period of months and received treatment in Dr. Hayashi's clinic. 
And during that time, Takata experienced being healed from physical illness. And as I mentioned earlier, it was in the late 70s then that Takata brought Reiki to North America. And it makes sense to me that in the West, in North America, we would have a strong focus on Reiki as a technique of laying on of hands and on being a practitioner because Takata was so strong with that, given that that was her deep contact with Reiki was the ability to receive healing, receive deep healing and be healed from disease and illness herself. So in that way, traditionally, second-degree Reiki was seen as the practitioner's level, just a really strong focus on treating. So as I mentioned, we want to always bring the idea of using these symbols for yourself back into the foreground as well. And the symbols are sacred, and they're powerful. And Takata instructed us that though they're universal, that encouraged us to uh, treat them in a very sacred way and to not show the symbols to other people, even though you can see that some people don't follow that approach and people have seen the healing symbols in different numerous types of Reiki books. But that the Reiki symbols are given in trust and that each individual is responsible for maintaining that sacredness of them. So we have a symbol that is for an increase of energy, and that's the symbol that's most commonly used because you can use it any time, any place, anywhere for anything. Then there's a symbol for mental emotional healing. And this one is really to bring peace and balance to the mental emotional body. And you can use the symbol for yourself to help you understand that correlation between your thoughts and your feelings to kind of line all that up and bring that into balance. And then the third symbol is one that's referred to as distant healing. And this symbol really enables you to send Reiki at a distance to others or to use it for yourself to help you make that nice contact with your own higher self. That's the basic focus in the second degree Reiki is to deepen the practice from first degree and then also to learn about these healing symbols and different ways that you can use them for yourself and use them for other people. And then there's a third degree Reiki for personal growth. I had, um, I think in the late 80s it was that I, I began separating the levels of Reiki the third degree Reiki to a personal growth level and uh, training for Reiki masters because the second degree students were wanting to move on, yet it wasn't necessarily that they wanted to be Reiki masters. So like other teachers, uh, not exclusive to myself, I separated that level up into two sections. So we have third degree for personal growth, and that's really the path of mastery. It's a shift from you know, the sense of doing into the sense of being. And again, it's a two-day workshop. And it's about your investigation into personal mastery and what that is for you. And we learn two new symbols in that. There is a master symbol and then also the Reiki symbol, which through experiences in inspiration and meditation that I had with Dr. Hayashi, I was 
encouraged to actually use the Reiki symbol as a healing symbol and to initiate with it. And, and that happened kind of around the same time in the late 70s, I'm sorry, in the late 80s. And then from there, I developed that program for personal growth. So we learned the two symbols, the master symbol and the Reiki symbol, and learned to create a ritual of really bringing all the symbols together, the three from first degree, second degree and the two from third degree, and a way of being able to call the lineage or to create some kind of a ceremony or way of honoring something that you can use these symbols, use them, use that ritual for doing distant healing or for even doing a deep meditation. And I have a, a quote here from... Um, Phyllis, Phyllis Faramoda, my first degree Reiki teacher, and she said, the greatest lesson of my life has evolved around the acceptance of love from myself and from those around me. We can freely give only when we accept with gratitude all that life brings to us. Treat yourself every day and make special time for yourself to touch your thoughts and your emotions and your being. That's beautiful. So in third degree for personal growth, we're really really entering a deeper level of that co-creative relationship that's available to the Ray. So if you think in first degree Reiki, we combine with the relationship to help us with our healing. And then in second degree, we receive the symbols again to help us with our healing. And then, then third degree Reiki, we understand that, that we are the light. And we ask to see ourselves as not separate from that light in any way. We are that Reiki. We are the experience of Reiki. So it's about being, not doing, that shift from being to, that shift from doing to being. We are human beings, not human doings. So then in the path, the path for third degree Reiki is really of personal mastery and investigating what it means to you on an individual level and then how that can move with you into a co-creative relationship with the Ray and what it is that you can create and contribute to others. And then the next level that I offer is a Reiki master's training program and Really, that's about awakening the Reiki master from within. And the program doesn't have a specific time frame because it's more of a, it's more of an organic process and everybody's individual with it. People move through it at their own pace. Some people have gone through it in as little as 10 months and others have chosen to go through it over, even over a period of a few years. And I really found from my experiences with Takata in my inspiration with her the importance of Reiki being taught in consciousness of what it is and that teachers be trained. And from that, it really helped me to develop a kind of program where I have things in the program that help the students to be accountable for the teaching. 
so that they're trained and so that they know what they're talking about. I remember one of the uh, people that I, I trained in Reiki, she used to, uh, um, she used to uh, jokingly, like a kibitz, grumble with me because she, you know, all the work that I would make the teachers, trainers do. And um, she would tease me. But every time I asked her to present something in the class or whatever, she always uh, took took up the experience and the opportunity. But I remember after her first class, after she taught her first class on her own, calling me up and saying to me, now I understand why you made me work so hard and why you did what you did with me. Because she said with great satisfaction in herself, she said, I know what I'm talking about and I can answer the students' questions. And how important is that if you're teaching something that you are able to really give people a comprehensive teaching so that they know what they're doing and you know what you're doing so that you can pass it on then to your students. So I do have the opportunity for people to do written assignments and to do Reiki treatments and I do private consultations with them as part of the training program and then do one initiation into the mastery level of Reiki. And I have a quote here from my Reiki master. Carol initiated me in second degree Reiki and as a Reiki master. And she says, to be a Reiki master is to hold a sacred trust. This purity of heart is the essence of what we have to share. And I pray that together we can bring that purity forth to clarify the past, live what we teach, teach what we teach. We teach and we live what we teach and what we live. <laughs> teach what we teach and live what we live. <laughs> the divine lineage of Reiki. There are so many brands of Reiki in the world today. You kind of see them as branches. You know, the branches of the Western Reiki tree started with the Yusui Shiki Roho, with the Yusui method of Reiki as Takata brought it to North America. And we had the Reiki, American Reiki Association, which later turned to the Radiance Technique, more focused on a science, and then the Reiki Alliance, more focused on an art. And we saw Marielle Reiki, which was more of the Mother Mary energy and Reiki Plus that was more structured like Reiki 101, like university courses. And we saw Saikem, which was the Kuan Yin energy. And then Tibetan Reiki, which was more, if you like, uh, more electrical and more like the, the cutting swords type of thing. And we saw all these branches in, in the Western Reiki tree. And we saw differences. We saw people combining other healing methods using crystals or sound or color or channeling with the Reiki. And we've seen different symbols. And some would say that the different symbols come from initially the symbols being drawn in the air. Some would suggest the differences come because in Japanese we have classical script in the kanji and we have a more modern kind of like the difference between writing and printing in English and some would suggest that 
some of the symbols are more Sanskrit in nature and less or more Chinese or Japanese influences. And I notice even for myself the difference between my, the way my teacher uh, draws the symbols and myself that I tend to be more free-flowing and tend to round the edges off of my strokes. And then we see people publishing symbols in books, which is certainly not my way and not my approach. We see people teaching Reiki in an afternoon. I teach it over a two-day period. I used to do it a Friday night, all day Saturday, all day Sunday. And now I do it just all day Saturday and all day Sunday. You have people becoming Reiki masters in a weekend and other people taking a different approach. And as I said, with some of my teachers, they had done the program in 10 months. Other people had done the program over a period of a few years. So we see a lot of changes and a lot of differences in the 30-plus years since Takata brought Reiki to North America. And then we see differences also in the late 90s as we see the East going to the West and Frank R. Jarva Pater and going to Japan and combining with the people there and some of the original people from the work that Dr. Yusui was doing in Japan with that inner teaching. And then we see people writing books about the inner teaching and things that were practiced all along in Japan that was not part of the outer teaching that was brought to North America. And through that, we see then the West coming to the East and so now we have really a mix of a lot of things, some with the influences from the inner teaching with different meditation practices and different focusing techniques, and some doing more really teaching a technique, a Japanese technique of hands-on care that is really taught like a technical program, put your hands here and here and here and here, and is taught in an afternoon. So there are so many things that are being taught in the name of Reiki teaching, and they all do good. They're all serving people in many ways. So if you are a person that is interested in investigating Reiki, or perhaps you're a person that has heard about all these differences and was wondering about it, I hope that my conversation in some way has shed a little light to that on why we see so many differences. And as I've always mentioned, I really welcome you to uh, send me an email if you'd like to ask questions or would you like more information on any of the things that I spoke about today or click those little links on the side there of the, the radio homepage if that's where you are listening from. It would take you to my website or you'll be able to send me an email directly right from there. It's leah at comebacktoyoursenses.com. But having said all that... The real truth of this is that, you know, the gift that Dr. Yusui really gave us is the opportunity to have a focal point for a daily practice and to have a structure that we can follow so that we can relax into that experience of combining with this divine energy or this universal life force energy and all of the gifts that are available to us through combining with that energy. And then the gift of the precepts to help us to bring discipline to the level of our mind 
to help us to surrender our smaller perceptions into the greater whole. And the gift of the hands-on care for yourself and for other people. Because certainly Reiki, as it is taught, as it is, as a, as, when we use it as a practitioner, it can release the cause of disease in the body and the mind. And it's effective for first aid. And it's a viable form of treatment for treating disease and illness. It's known it has an ability to speed up the healing process. So it's becoming more commonly used in medical institutions worldwide to help patients recover faster from injuries, from illnesses, from surgery and other medical procedures. And it's a, a complement. Reiki treatments complement rather than interfere with allopathic or naturopathic treatments prescribed by physicians and naturopaths. Reiki is successful in treating a variety of chronic conditions. And Reiki's moved into the mainstream of complementary approaches to healthcare. It's being taught in nursing schools and practiced in hospitals worldwide. And it's being studied by international institutions for health. So we've seen a lot of changes. And in many ways, these changes have really helped to open the flow of Reiki into so many different areas. People that may be not attracted to Reiki as a daily spiritual practice may be attracted to something in another form of Reiki in the technique of laying on of hands or in one of the other forms from one of the other teachers. I've been very blessed in my experiences with my teachers and I honor the lineage and it honors me back. I've experienced so many gifts coming through this wonderful lineage, what I refer to as the divine lineage of Reiki. Dr. Yusui's always been there in the inner for me, all around the treatment table, and really personally supporting me. Dr. Hayashi has helped me to understand that art and science are two different ways of describing the same phenomena and that focusing on the common goal, on the larger perspective, that we would always automatically honor and respect each other individually. And as I mentioned earlier, he was the inspiration for me to use the Reiki symbol, to use it as a healing symbol and to initiate with it. And then Hawaii Takata with that great support to make sure that people be trained, that teachers are trained and Reiki be taught in consciousness of what it is, and that the teachers need to be accountable for the and responsible for the teaching. And she also helped me in my early years to understand the importance of really bringing the teaching as a teacher to the lowest common denominator of understanding in the room so that everybody can understand what you're speaking about and not just speak to the people that are more advanced, so to speak. And she was very strong also in the importance of being guided by the spiritual precepts. My experience with Phyllis Furumoto was my first connection with the Reiki lineage and with Reiki, and she really emphasized the importance of treating yourself and of gratitude. And then my three years apprenticing with Carol Farmer. We treated together for many years and learned so much from those experiences. 
And learning from her about trusting that the energy would always bring about the highest good in a situation. And again, the importance of the daily practice and the importance of walking your talk and talking your walk. So I've been very blessed with uh, honoring this lineage and I will continue to do so and uh, very happy to have had this sacred practice for 30 years in my life. And as I said, if you want more information, send me an email or you can find me on Facebook. And I really encourage you, whatever it is, wherever you feel drawn and wherever you feel called, to find ways and opportunities for yourself that you can have some kind of a daily practice that's going to help you to come into a place of stillness so you can really, if you like, drink that goodness that's there and it's available to you through this divine energy that's all around us and inside us and beyond us and is there to help us and support us. So I thank you for listening, and next week we're going to talk about the mechanics of letting go. You've been listening to Come Back to Your Senses Radio with your host, Leah Brenda Smith, and I welcome you to tune in next week. In the meantime, relax and enjoy. We hope you've enjoyed our program today and perhaps have found some new techniques that you can apply to your daily life. Thank you for tuning in to Come Back to Your Senses Radio. Please join Leah Brenda Smith again next Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll see you next week.